to be awake to who I am without being attached to finding myself through the mind, through who I think I am. This is the point of this human incarnation, to wake up and evolve from the spell of I am this, I am that. I am this feeling, I am that feeling, to just I am. Welcome to the Unlearn Yourself Podcast. This is the place to discover and remember yourself as you unlearn who you have been taught to be. We will explore who your true self is by diving into your inner world and creating the most empowering, aligned, and free relationship with you and your life. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about mindfulness and self-healing. And I have my husband, Ben, joining me in today's episode. Here I am. Because we've been having a lot of conversations and a lot of uh, just our own integration of mindfulness. Reflections. Yeah, and, and applying mindfulness in our own lives. And now that's been helping us integrate. Yeah, and it's kind of hit us in different ways. Um, I think it sort of hit you first, as things often do. And we we similarly sort of came upon our own ideas of what mindfulness is. And then as we talked about it, we sort of formulated something that became very similar. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And we realize how big and huge this is in healing. I mean, it's massive. It's it's liberating is the word that I would yeah. use. It's ultimate freedom. Yeah. It's, it's this idea that often so many people are stuck in this trap of thinking, thinking their way through life, thinking I am this, I am that, yet when you become mindful, it, it detaches you. It separates you from the mind and the ideas that are always swirling around in the mind and allows you to step back from all of that and actually look at it. Yeah. At least that's how it's, that's how it's come for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's become something that's very, I guess, strategic. How so? For me, because I'm someone who operates a lot from like strategy and systems. And this gave me a way to look at the most complex system being the mind. Yeah. It allowed me to sort of look at it and instead of be of it sort of mixed up in it, I got to actually look at it Mm -hmm. and see it and sort of manage it. Yeah. I got to be the president of my own mind in a way, which I think is why mindfulness became something that went so much further than just an idea. Right. Because it it's literally more than an idea. Right. So I know that we have both read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yes. We have both read The Untethered Soul. Mm-hmm. And those books really do talk about mindfulness and this ego identity and this construct of what the mind is. We both have read, you to some extent, have studied The Course in Miracles. To some extent. <laughs> and... You know, that book is all about mind training. So, you know, this has been a theme of my life for a while now. And I don't think it really ultimately clicked for me until the end of last year of how important this aspect really is in liberating yourself, in the self-actualization, in the self-remembrance, and the homecoming journey. And I think for me, it all started with sitting in meditation. I've been meditating for many, many years now. And when I would meditate, sometimes there would be so many thoughts. The one complaint I hear from everyone is I can't meditate because my mind is too busy. It's too chattery. It's too chattery. I could never meditate. 
And if you're saying that, you need to meditate. <laughs> exactly. And I think the other thing about meditation, we usually realize the mind is so chatty and becomes difficult because we're also then trying to meditate. We're trying to clear, cleanse, quiet things while in the mind. In the mind, yes. So it's like, you know, you're in a crowd of people trying to make the noise go away. Right. In the crowd of people. In it doesn't the crowd of work. people. Yeah. And the crowd of people, it's your, your own head. Right. Your own space. Exactly. So when I was sitting in meditation, I would have these very two kind of extreme experiences. Like, tell me if this is something you've experienced as mm -hmm. well. Is some days where I would meditate, it would be like so many thoughts. Just yeah. like overwhelming with all these thoughts and I would just be like following the thought down its little train and going on this little journey with this thought. And maybe in the whole 20, 30 minutes sitting, I would maybe have one second of just stillness. Yeah. And then there'd be other times that I'd be meditating and it would just be completely still. Mm -hmm. There would be no thought. There would be nothing. I was just there. So... If you're clear about it, what would you say was the difference? Like what made those two experiences different? So this is, I guess the way I experienced it, experienced it is I was like, okay, well, there is this point where I had all these thoughts and there was this point that I didn't have all these thoughts, but I was there in all of it. I still existed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think for me, it was this point of, wow, like this was happening and I was still there. Like who I was or who I am is was still in those experiences with the thoughts and without the thoughts. I realized, oh, the thoughts really aren't me then because I still existed when I, when there were a bunch of thoughts and then when there were a bunch of, when there were not any thoughts. And that was like a huge, like, like an opening for me and realizing, well, who is the person that's experiencing this, right. the stillness and the busyness, let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what mindfulness is. You know, mindfulness, it's its the power of being the observer of the mind, not being of the mind. You know, you're actually bringing awareness to the mind, how it's operating, what's going on, what it's thinking. And actually sitting from that awareness, being that observer... I feel is where you can actually settle those thoughts. Do you hear our cat? Before we get to that, I think it's important that we kind of talk about a little bit of the foundation. Sure. That our consciousness splits when we incarnate into this physical body. We live in the dualistic world. Duality is prevalent in our 3D reality. Joy, sorrow, good, bad, dark, light. It's a dualistic way. All of it. All of it. And this dualistic way, the reason it's dualistic because it helps consciousness know itself. Right. Without the experience, we cannot know who we are. Who is the one experiencing this? So it's the experiencer knowing itself as the experience yeah i mean the, the easiest example is you can't know what light is without dark. darkness you can't know what dark is without light, light. they they have to ha go together in order to understand what they are individually right and so because we live in a dualistic world this is this is the world of duality consciousness is split so there is the i and there is the i or myself i like to say it there is, there's a split, right? And the whole journey of self, let's just say self-actualization or self, um, what's the word? Self-realization is, is, is being embedded in self-awareness. It's awareness of the self. That's what self-awareness means. Right. It's not awareness of the mind. It's awareness of who you are as the ultimate pure awareness as consciousness. Your true essence. Your true essence. Yeah. And so for me, this has been the most, I would say it's been the most liberating, freeing, like thing to, I kind of, my eye opened up to, let's just say awakening that I had. Mm -hmm. 
It helped me to understand that, you know, I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. I am not what I think. I am not what I'm feeling. This is something that is not me because if I can observe it, I am not it. Right. It, you know, it's, I, I completely agree. If I think in, in that dualistic nature, we have to recognize that there are these sort of two sides to the same coin, right? Where, you know, we sit here and we identify ourselves as someone, as something, but then there's, you know, when I, when I think about the dual nature, I think of the mind, the ego, usually, as it's referred to. And well, then I, I, I like to say that the ego, the mind is the house of the ego. Exactly. Yeah. But, they, you know, they're one in the same, same basically. Thing, yes. And then you have, there's many terms for it, but we can call it the higher self, the awareness, the consciousness. That's that dual nature through my eyes. And I think you make a good point is so many of us, I think, identify from the mind. Yes. From the ego, from the body. Yes. You know, I am so many feet tall. I I weigh this much. I have these color eyes. I have this type of hair. I'm male. I'm female. I'm, I'm whatever. Without ever truly realizing that there is a whole higher perspective right that is us right you know and learning how to identify sort of the difference between those right and sit in each of them differently because i don't want to sit here and say that the mind is useless it's it's the greatest tool we could ever have it's a tool exactly it's the greatest tool we could ever have i mean i I remember when one of our conversations I was talking about how our mind is, it's like a hammer. It has a purpose, a purpose that only, you know, the mind can have. It is a tool. It, you know, it has logic. It has reasoning that we can use for many things in our life. You know, simply being able to open and close your hands, eat food. I mean, that is, those are actions of the mind. Um, but then also, like I said, recognizing that then there's the awareness and knowing the purpose of each of them is what's most important. So I like to say, like, the mind is something you have. It is not who you are. Right. It is a tool. It is a tool that you have. And so if you think about the mind as a construct, everything that is in your mind, the mind is like a computer, right? It is programmed. From the moment you are born on this planet, your mind is programmed, you have certain belief systems. You have a certain way of looking at things. You have a certain perspective. You have certain thought processes. You have uh, certain definitions and certain um, ways of thinking about X, Y, Z thing. And everything is kind of uploaded mm -hmm. or stored in this database called the mind. And the mind forms constructs of what a reality is, of what you are, and if you occur any kind of trauma, if any kind of wounding happens to you in your early childhood, then what happens is that mentally, psychologically, emotionally creates a rupture in you. And some kind of imprint from the external world comes in and you form some kind of definition, identity, or perspective about you or how something is. Yeah, you pick up that identity. Right. Yeah. So even that is a learned, your, your feelings of unworthiness or your feelings of inadequacy or your feelings of victim is all programmed in you. It's a response to some kind of traumatic experience or some kind of emotional or mental wounding that you have gone through in your life, which creates this ego identity or this ego persona. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have a funny example about this because you know, the way you're brought up, the things that you pick up from parents, friends, other family, just the the culture you live in, even the public society, all these things you Education. pick up, you pick up so much from everywhere, usually very unconsciously too. You're just picking it up. I mean, how many people in just, you know, a certain society seem to act very similarly? 
they're acting that way because they're surrounded by it. You know, right. you're brought up in a small town and through these different practices, you know, you pick those things up just naturally by being around them. That's what our mind does. It absorbs programming. Have you also noticed if you spend so much time with some person, you start using their vocabulary, talking like them? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mannerisms, all these things, you pick them up. Not, you're not choosing to do that. No. Your brain, your mind just picks up this programming. Because I remember when I asked you, like, you're saying sure a lot. Yeah, and then I realized a friend of mine says sure a lot. Like, I had to go and think about that, and I picked that up because I hang out with that friend more frequently, and I picked that up completely unconsciously. Yeah. But just simply by being around Around them. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the thing. We pick up a lot in our childhood. I think that's when we're most absorbent. Yes. But we continue to pick things up through life. Yes. You know? And one of my interesting examples is, you know, we... We pick up these ideas, and and I was thinking about it as I think of people who are afraid of water. You know, they're afraid to go into the ocean. They're afraid of water. They they don't know how to swim. And and you sit there and you think about it, and you know this this person that's afraid of water. Let's say for example, they were brought up by a parent who was afraid of water. So their parent, as they were growing up, they never took their kids to the pool or to the ocean or by water. What if the person had a bad experience with by being in water? Either one, Mm -hmm. really. You know, they picked up something, you know, and I I think, you know, it's even more interesting because, yes, you know, an individual might have had a bad experience with water and they created an idea about that. But then you can go even one step further to show the complexity of it and saying, what if their parent had a bad experience and then taught their kid that water is bad that water is bad yeah and so the kids experience of may have may not have even had an experience with water but they were taught that water was bad you know they they go and that their mind says you know oh it's dangerous oh it's boring i don't like the water it's not fun i don't like going to the beach whatever it might be even though they may have never really experienced water because mm-hmm. this parent who's afraid Never took them anywhere. Mm-hmm. Never took them to the pool or anything. Mm-hmm. And then you look at that and you think, but how can that person then be afraid of water having never really experienced water? It's simply because their mind picked up this idea by what they were taught. Yes. You know, and it's it's And this all is called a thinking. belief system. Exactly. This is called a belief system. This is called a paradigm. Yeah. And we have all these unconscious ways we have learned about how the world works, how things work, how we are. It's called paradigms and belief systems. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you had a bad experience of something in your life? Even simple things like you, you took a different way to go into town in the car and you ran into construction and then maybe you had a flat tire and all these things. And then you feel like the next time you go to town, you don't go that way because that's like the bad way. Right. You know, that's the unlucky way, whatever. Even though it it was just an experience of that time. It doesn't mean, you know, this is how things are now. It's all this stuff your mind has picked up. It creates these stories of it's dangerous, it's, you know, not safe, whatever it is. Which is interesting because our mind, it just picks these things up. And I think the mind's job is also to make meaning of things for us Mm -hmm. so we can better understand reality, Mm -hmm. right? And once we have, once we have made a meaning or made a definition about something, we tend to stick with it. Yeah. And then our mind becomes immutable. And a, a mind that is not open to change is not, is a mind that doesn't grow. Which is probably one of the biggest programming too for a lot of people. Is a narrow mind. Yes. Is a closed, fixed, fixed, mind. fixed mind. mind where they're not open to change. I mean, I've been one of those people struggling to sort of accept change, accept, you know, things being different or things being uncomfortable. You know, and I was, you pick these things up. It's a very common one. Whereas you didn't have much of that experience. You had a lot of change and you were, you were taught and you learned just through experience that, Change is good. Mm-hmm. Change is natural. Change is everywhere. You know, there's a quote by Bashar that I read, which is, if you're not changing your mind, you're not using your mind. Oh, interesting. Because if you are not changing your mind, then you are, your mind is like a cage. Yeah. And you're bound to 
sitting in the construct, sitting in the, the walls of what the mind thinks is real, what definitions, what paradigms, what belief systems, what constructs, what perspectives it operates on from. And you just sit there and you never really evolve as a person, but you live your whole entire life identified with thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts being who you are. It's interesting too, because like in that quote you just said, you know, if you're not, um, this idea of using the, the mind. mind, right? If you're not changing your mind, you're not using your mind. You're not using your mind. And then you, you know, you get into that, you take a moment, you think, wait, using my mind. Well, who is using my mind? Right. What is, is using, using my, my mind? mind? It becomes something that you're no longer than identified with. with. Like, look at the language that's that, that gets used. Even, I think, if you take a moment and just, you know, think even, recognize the language we use. Yeah. You know? My body. Yeah. Using the mind. My um, experience. Yeah. Mm. We're all, you know, what's, there's a common phrase that says, like, I'll put my mind to it. Yeah. You know? If you can put your mind to it, you can do it or something like that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. And if you take a, a moment, moment even right now and think, well, who is putting the mind to it? it? Who is using the mind? Yeah. So that really is talking about the mind as a tool that needs to be used rather than we being used by it and exactly. being a slave of it. Or identify it. Because the mind is a good, um, a good ally, a good servant, but it is not a good master. Exactly. That's not my own quote. That's because it runs, yeah, because it runs, like we said, on programming. Yes, it runs on programming. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about, we talked a lot about like mindfulness and, and how it has helped you and I to be more liberated and to live with greater awareness. Yeah. But I want to talk a little bit about like the ego, okay. right? Ego, mind, psyche all interchangeable words but i like to say that the ego is the persona the the form it feels like it has, has identity, identity. Yeah. the ego is like the persona or the or the identity of the mind yeah you know and the other thing i want i want to i want to make sure everyone knows is the mind the psyche runs on fear right and so you could say the the fear is the language of the ego is the language of the mind mm mm-hmm. Most people, even us included, always will look at the worst case scenario or the negative thing before we go to the positive thing. It's like the mind is programmed on fear and negativity. Right. And it really takes a lot of diligence and a lot of um, awareness and attention to reprogram, reprogram the mind to, to, to operate on higher frequencies yeah. in higher ways. Yeah. But I want to talk about the persona the construct that is the ego identity. And I always like to say it like this, is that the things that you've gone through, the things that you've experienced, your trauma, your abuse, programming, anything, literally, it doesn't have to be traumatic. It could be something as... It could be simple things. Simple yeah. things, you know, how you were brought up, what your parents told you about life and work and relationships and body and money and... Like I said earlier, something they told you about water. Anything. It's like we all received a very specific programming about reality. Yeah. That was learned from our parents, the society, the people, the environment we were in. That is why no two human beings have the same perspective about something. Right. Which I find fascinating. Because everything is coming from our own oper operating programming. Yeah. Right? And so, but here's the thing is... When we go through any kind of disruption in our system, when we as kids, I, I like to describe it like this, is when our inner child or our, our child, let's just say our child's needs, who we are as children, when our needs are not met as children, we always make it about ourselves because the child's view is very egocentric. Everything is about it, so it takes everything personally. Right. Right? And so everything that you've gone through, all of the wounding, all the abuse, Anything, unmet needs of love, approval, appreciation, not feeling seen and heard, or even held, anything. You create a persona and that identity usually is formed with, with, with what we call the ego. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so many people are so well-versed in what their problems are. And 
their challenges. Their challenges yeah. are. And they're so well-versed in negative self-talk and so well-versed in talking about themselves in a very critical, demeaning, self-deprecating, negative way. And so, you know, I, I often listen to when my clients speak to me when they're talking about their experiences and how they're feeling I'm like wow this person is so well versed on their story and and I'm like sitting here and I'm thinking wow if they can tell me all of this and they can be like well I had this problem this person doesn't like me and I feel rejected around this person or I didn't do a good job or I don't feel capable or I can never be in a relationship or I'll never succeed at this or whatever. And they're so like, they're speaking with so much clarity and so much um, certainty certainty about all of these things. And I'm like, if you are able to describe the condition and you're able to describe all of this to me, then that means you're not all of this that you're describing. Exactly. Because you couldn't describe something if you weren't aware of it. Yeah. And what you are aware of, you are not. Right. So I realize, you know, as talking about this, how simple this this concept, this this becomes. When you really have that moment where you recognize the identity, your for example, we often say, My ego is this, or that was my ego. When you realize in that moment, well, that ego, my ego, who's the my? When you when that triggers, when that actually hits you, you just kind of go, well, oh my goodness. You there's know, two aha. me's. Yeah, there's two me's. I mean, this is kind of what the, the idea is in the power of now and like this you just it just it'll hit you in that moment and then suddenly something that feels and seems really complex even what we've been talking about this whole time it almost seems a little complex and then you'll have that moment where it just hits you and you go wow that's not complex at all it's very simple mm-hmm. just this whole this whole mindfulness stuff it'll it'll hit you you'll have that experience that moment and what you'll want to do is you'll try you'll want to try to understand it with your mind don't. And the mind will be like, do not compute, do not understand. Don't even try to understand this with your mind. No, just let it be. Just listen. Yeah. Just listen. That's it. Just listen and allow it to penetrate, to hit you in the way it will hit you. But do not try to put concepts. Do not try to think your way. Do not try to understand it. Just be present and just listen. That's it. I had this line written down that, you know, if you can watch it, it means that it's not actually you. Yes. If you can, you know, if if you can observe it, if you can recognize it, if you can see it, it means it's not actually you because there's still that person, that identity seeing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, what I call is the ego complex yeah. is the mind complex. When you understand that, that there are certain things that set off a trigger in you that make you feel rejected or that make you feel unloved or that make you feel discouraged or like a failure. You understand that all the stuff that's happening, the parts of yourself that are wounded, the parts of yourself that are triggered, the parts of yourself that get upset or angry, or or closed down, it's all this persona, it's all this construct of the ego, of the mind. And and if you can just bring awareness and start to create detachment and separation from that being who you are, you can come into the observer space and witness it. Mm -hmm. And the more you witness something, the more you can watch the drama and the chaos play. There's something else I like to say just from somebody who's experienced depression, when you're in a depressive state and your your whole outlook on life and yourself is this really depressive, depression is actually operating at a very, very low frequency. And when you're in depression, it's like having sunglasses on and everything's dark. Right. And when you're sitting in a depressive state, the weather in your mind is not very good. It's chaos. <laughs> it's chaos. It's probably dark, gloomy, uh, like a storm. And I always like to ask people, like, what's the weather in your mind like? I like that. Right? Yeah. 
Is it sunshine and rainbows or, you know, a hurricane? And then what creates the weather in your mind? Hmm. Right? What, what does? Your thoughts. What exactly. you're thinking. What are the quality of the thoughts you're thinking? Yeah, because you start to think, you, you know, imagine, you know, those days where your your mind is just crazy active and there's so many things going on and you're getting really lost in it. And it's like, you know, you can go back to like, what's the weather like in your mind? It's, it, it feels like it's a bit of a hurricane, but you can almost imagine like all these thoughts are, are that hurricane. Why is it a hurricane? Well, oh, okay. I'm having all these thoughts come about, you know, X, Y, Z thing. And I'm associating myself with being these thoughts. It's your thoughts that make you miserable. Yeah. It's your thoughts that make you happy. It's not external things, exactly. right? And so this is kind of twofold a bit. It's kind of like bringing awareness to what thoughts you're thinking, which is creating the weather in your mind and also becoming the witness of it and noticing what is the weather in my mind like and being aware of that and then thinking, oh, okay, the weather in my mind is dark and gloomy and gray. Oh, because it's dark and gloomy and gray because I'm having all these dark and gloomy thoughts. Does that make sense? And sitting in the seat of the observer Yep. as the witness of it all and seeing some seeing it as something that is passing through your space is something that i've heard um pay my children say you are the sky everything is just the weather mm. does that make sense i love that yeah you are the sky everything is just the weather so who is the sky the sky is the pure awareness yeah is consciousness the weather is all the thoughts is all the stuff that's happening yeah. And the more you associate and identify as it, the more you're caught up in the storm. Right. Right? The sky is always there. <laughs> right? But you can come back to just being the sky. Right. Which is sitting in the pure awareness as the witness. Mm -hmm. I like to call it the seat of the self. Mm -hmm. And be the witness of the storm that's going on. Because the storm will pass. But the reason it doesn't pass is because you associate with it. You, you give, identify with you it. You identify with it. Yeah. That's why the storm will stay for. Oh, a day, two days, two years, and you will create like a depressive mood in people, uh -huh. right? But the more you can sit as the observer, as being the sky, and and just watching it, because it because all the stuff that's happening, all these thoughts, they feed off your attention, they feed off of your focus. You as consciousness have the power of attention and focus. What consciousness gives attention and focus to, it brings life to. Right? Thoughts uh -huh. on their own have no power, have right. no validity. Thoughts are not facts. Feelings are not facts. They're transient things that come and go. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And the reason they feel like they stay and the reason you feel stuck is because you hold on to them, you identify with them, you believe them, you give them your attention and your focus, therefore power. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think this is where we start now to look at and transition into this idea of mindfulness so many people obviously identify with the ego that's that's that personified version of the mind yeah it's a personified mind yeah the personified mind that's a good way to put it and we've we've talked a lot about the observer and you know if if the mind is a tool and who's using it. Well, that's where mindfulness comes into place. And, um, when we were talking the other day, I kind of brought up this idea of like mindfulness feels like you're saying you're full of the mind. And I sort of rephrased it and I said, no, mindfulness is being fully aware of the mind. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, you know, what works really well for me as we, as we, move into this idea of mindfulness is just imagine that, you know, usually when you identify yourself, you identify yourself as the body and as, you know, from the place in your head, like where the mind through mental activity, sit. through the mental thinking. Exactly. And now take, take that identification, take that awareness and move it like a little bit back and up above the mind. Like out of your head. Yeah, like out of your head. I mean, I'm, I'm making a hand symbol, but you can't see it. Is you're now watching yeah. the mind. You're looking down on, you're, you're observing 
what the mind is doing. doing. So you're no longer in the mind. You're now the observer, the manager of the mind. The witness. Which is where this idea of mindfulness comes into place. You, you get to start acting. You get to start, you know, I say thinking and feeling, but obviously those things being of the mind. You get to start, you get to start being. Being is, yeah. a, is a better way to put it. it in that awareness. Being but, the awareness. Yeah. But the beauty of it all is that from that awareness, you can start to not only observe, not only be aware of the mind, but the way I put it is you can kind of manage the mind. mind. You can say, you can choose how that mind operates. You can choose what you identify with. So where now all of this programming, all these things we picked up, they're programming the mind is picked up, but you being in that mindful state can now start to break those things down. Yeah. So it's also, it's not only about just being the witness or the observer. It's also knowing that you have options. It's, it's also practicing the power of choice. Exactly. Like, you know, okay, I have a programming. I now get to choose whether that programming is something I want to identify with. Yeah. Or I log into. Yeah. Cause honestly, maybe, you know, for me, I was you could say program to be a very kind, loving person. So give me an example. Let's get, let's like do an example. Example, like let's actually walk this through. Okay. Like, okay. You, of being the observer. Right. Okay. So usually what happens is you're going about your day and something has to trigger, sure. right? Something has to trigger. Oh, okay. Right? I get what you mean. And then the program or the specific thought pattern or the specific um, way of thinking sets, gets sets off in you. So the what I would call the practice of mindfulness. Yes. Let's, let's break the practice of mindfulness down. Okay. That's great. I think what, because I've, I mean, I picked this up. You've been understanding and kind of learning the idea of mindfulness for years, but I think for both of us, it's kind of clicked, but it's clicked, clicked for me much more recently than for you. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's become a deep practice. Okay. You know, so in a good example is that, um, let's say for me, I might deal with, um, a lot of inaction mm -hmm. in my life of trying to avoid things, mm -hmm. maybe because it's uncomfortable. It's something I'm not used to. It makes me feel uneasy. My mind has learned very expertly how to avoid things like that. Now, when you play in this idea of mindfulness... does it do, Is there like an outside trigger that happens? There's a lot of triggers for me. Let's just say it's something... Something is has triggered, has come up in my life that, re, that requires or asks me to stand up and use my voice. Okay. You know, because to... you have the story of like not like expressing yourself. Exactly. Okay. You know, of, of kind of hiding myself, hiding my voice, blending in, being yeah. normal and and fitting into the to the world yeah. in a in a quiet manner, <laughs> I guess. And I've been faced with a lot of opportunities to not hide and right. and instead to use my voice to to share, to express myself. My mind has picked up that that is terrifying. It's yeah. horrifying to express myself openly. Well, because that goes against your programming. That yeah. goes against a self-identity you have. Exactly. The programming I have is fit in, be quiet, you know, just just put your head down and do what you need to do. You know, and, and even the fact that I'm here talking on a podcast with you expressing my voice the main reason I'm able to do this now is because of this practice of mindfulness. Now what happens is when I'm faced with something where I need to express myself. Okay. Typically I'll go into this, this story, this programming of avoid distract. And my mind was very good at this. It would distract me with things that seemed important. And then my mind would just sort of shut it off, mm -hmm. put it away until, you know, a month from now when it would come back up and I'd be like, oh crap, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't do that. 
now what happens is I, I'm faced with something that requires me to use my voice and I, and I take a step back and I come from that place of awareness. And instead of saying, I don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now comes, well, do I want to do this? Mm-hmm. It's, it becomes a choice. So, so what you're doing is you are stepping back and you're what, so can I, can I ask you a question? How do you know that this is the mind's drama work playing itself out? The thing that usually triggers it the most for me is because I'm so acutely familiar with it. Mm. When it comes to our programming, okay, we're not oblivious. No. Okay, we're not naive. We want to be, but we're not. No. You know what your programming is. Yeah, you know what your belief systems are. Yeah, like you know when, what your mind operates from. Yeah, so when something in your life triggers that, when something in my life triggers, you know, that, that you know, using of your voice, of expressing yourself, when something triggers that, it's so familiar for me to act in a certain way. Yeah, it's a, ha- it's a habitual response that yeah, you have. To distract, to avoid, to do all that. It's so familiar that it's actually pretty easy to put awareness on that. Yes. Because when it comes up, I can immediately go, huh, this is familiar. Yeah. I know this feeling. So, I know this experience. So there is there is a specific pattern. Exactly. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Okay. It's a pattern. So that to me is usually, at least for now, understanding this idea of mindfulness, of what mindfulness is, is what allows me to even more recognize the pattern. Okay, so then a good way of putting this would be is look at look at the things that are your greatest sources of, let's just say, what are the things that trip you up the most? Yeah. What are the things that start you start to freak you out? What are the places that you feel helpless or discouraged or disempowered or, you know, it, 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 it triggers negative self-talk or it triggers comparison or it triggers this feeling of like a failure or rejection or feeling not loved or capable notice the places notice how those when certain things when certain things happen in your life it triggers this specific pattern in you and then also notice how you tend to behave right what kind of thoughts you tend to think how you tend to feel because that's the pattern you're watching for yeah so the the what's helped me is i've i've Chosen to kind of look at a specific feeling because usually my trigger is feeling uneasy. Mm-hmm. It's a simple feeling of, oh, I feel uneasy. And I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So I may not have as extreme responses or emotions as some people do have. But for me, because I took some time to look at this, I took some time to look and say, okay, what is a very common familiar feeling for me? Mm-hmm. Unease. Okay, that's simple. A good, that's a good place to start. Yeah, because it's it's simple. It's easy to recognize. Yeah. So if I feel uneasy, simple trigger. Give yourself one to start with. Yeah. If I feel uneasy, now that I have, you know, this understanding of mindfulness, it's a new trigger. Mm-hmm. Instead of the trigger of I feel uneasy, let's avoid and distract. Yeah. Now then- it's. Now it's, I feel uneasy. Oh, let's take a step back. back. Let's look at look, this. Let's be the witness of this. Exactly. Let's be the witness of this. Exactly. Because instead of saying, I feel uneasy, you could also say, this is where you kind of take in the persona of the mind. You say, okay, the feeling of uneasy is arising in my space right now. And exactly. then you notice, okay, what triggered this feeling of uneasy? Oh, this triggered this feeling of uneasy because... I have to be an experience where I have to share my voice. Yeah. And all that comes from being able to be aware. Being able to be aware. Yeah. Okay. Or mindful. That's really good. Okay. So, okay. So you notice that you're feeling uneasy. This is, you understand this is a pattern that your mind tends to go to. Yep. Right. To cope, to find some semblance of, um, because the mind's job is also, I feel like, to, to, to hold to basically the mind doesn't want to change no the mind doesn't want to evolve it's very set in how this is this is how we feel this is what we think this is what we do right 
the thing is, I think the mind, the mind doesn't necessarily not like change, but the mind operates on programming. And if habits. You, if you continue, programming. yeah, if you continue to do the same habits and give it the same programming, it's going to continue to do the same do thing. The, have the same reaction, exactly. think the same thoughts, feel the same feelings, yeah. go through the same behaviors and the same actions. It's going to just, it's going to run on autopilot then. It is. And this is where the, 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 the. I feel like the self-inquiry and the self-awareness piece really comes in. Yeah. There, I think there's two stages of self-awareness. Self-awareness of the mind and then self-awareness of the self. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. What what would you say is your trigger? This is a really good question. Um, I think for me, so if we're talking about self-esteem stuff, tr- my trigger is immediately self-esteem stuff. Okay. What specifically? What do you... Because for me, unease is something that, that hits me pretty regularly. Really? Yeah. It's an easy... Because, you know, we all tend to, like, carry our emotions in a certain area. For me, it's like I carry my emotions in my stomach. Mm-hmm. So usually if I feel unease, unease and, you know, an upset stomach, I mean, an uneasy stomach, like, that is such an easy trigger for me. But I also just feel uneasy. I don't have... I don't often feel like rage or depression or anger or these like big heavy emotions, but unease, discomfort, that is the thing that I always get. It might escalate to something else, but if I can take and look at that one thing, it's my awareness point now. So is a trigger all the same? It doesn't matter what the trigger is. It's usually that's the first response you get. Typically. Oh, interesting. Typically. That's really interesting. And then it might, you know, because... Think about when you feel something. What happens right after you feel something, right? Your mind then starts to go even more active. I feel uneasy. That sends a trigger to the mind that says, oh, crap, we feel uneasy. Let's figure it out. But like, that's, the mind, the, that's the mind coming in and hooking into this. Yeah, because we're identified with it. So then it says, oh, apply programming. Yes. And for me, my programming has been... I feel uneasy, let's avoid, let's distract, let's numb it, put it away. So a trigger will come in and you will then, it will, the trigger will initiate, let's just say create an emotion. Yes. And then the emotion comes running up to the system. That's the, that's the mind. And the mind logs in, hooks in, and starts and starts to go into a story, into yeah. a mental narrative, or starts to be in mental activity. It applies with a, programming. It, oh, but it goes into the thinking first. Yes. And then the programming comes, and then you have the same exact response. Yeah. So it's like all happening unconsciously in this habitual order. It's a system. Right? And, yeah. this, is, and this is where we have to start catching ourselves and bringing awareness into it and, and taking moments of pause. I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this way because what triggered it? And then and then this is something that you can also do is pull out a piece of paper and write down, I'm feeling this way because this is what triggered it. And then write down every single thought yep. that is coming up for you. Yep. Right? Because you can tell me how you're feeling, because you can apply a story to it and be really, really acutely aware of what you're feeling and what you're thinking, you are not those things. Otherwise, right. you would not be able to so dis- so descriptively and with conviction and certainty tell yourself all these things. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And because you're able to do that, you already know there's something that you're aware of. And because you're aware of it, this is why you're able to describe in such great detail and certainty. Exactly. And so coming back to the place of being aware and watching it and witnessing it, what's the next step? That's where the beauty of choice comes into play. Yes. Because you, you know, as you were talking about, you know, you think of this, this circular system, right, that just feeds on itself as how the mind operates. It doesn't know any better because you haven't taught it any better. But you interject into that, into that system and you apply awareness in there mm-hmm. suddenly. And then you get to choose what path to you take. take. You yes. know? So I go and I say, oh, I'm feeling uneasy. That's my trigger. Let's, let's look at this now. And then you get to say, you get to be the observer and say, well, why am I feeling this way? Oh, I'm feeling this way because, you know, something just came up and something just triggered and I now need to use my voice. I now need to express myself. Now I'm looking at that experience and I'm saying, okay, 
I get to express myself. Now I get to choose how I want to experience this mm -hmm. and what I want to do next. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who is has a programming and I'm afraid to share my voice. But at the end of the day, what I'm learning is that I actually love to. Mm -hmm. So now with that awareness, I can choose what I truly want to do mm -hmm. instead of just operating on programming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where that power of choice comes in. Mm -hmm. And then what you do from there is again, your choice. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you take action, mm -hmm. you know, and to be honest, it's not, it's not necessarily that suddenly the action is going to be a piece of cake. Mm -mm. The mind is still, it's, it's got a system to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That we've been identified for, for our entire life. Mm -hmm. So, but even if that awareness just gives you, gives you the simple decision, the simple choice to say, I'm going to choose to step into this a little bit. Mm -hmm. That stepping into it mm -hmm. even if it's just a little bit means that you're choosing to change the way the mind operates right, yeah that's the ultimate goal yeah because the mind you know like we've said is the tool you just need to use the tool in a more productive way mm -hmm. so this mindfulness isn't separating from the mind per se, it's learning how to restructure it. Restructure it. Learning yeah. how to properly use, use it. it. Learning how to e express, to be the full embodiment of yourself and then apply that to the mind. Right. Is kind of the idea. Yeah. So the easiest way to start to bring mindfulness and be mindful to be fully aware of the mind is a meditation practice. Yes. Okay, so I highly suggest journaling and meditation to, to working those, you know, in congruency together. Because when you're journaling, you know, you're not doing the dear diary method of this is how my day went, blah, blah, blah. No, I want the journaling is really an aspect or as a, is a way for you to take the contents that are rummaging or ruminating in the mind and putting them onto a piece of paper. And it kind of helps you understand what the quality of your thoughts are like and what you're thinking all the time right. and how you're perceiving things, perceiving yourself specifically as well. And what, what goes on in your mind? You know, what kind of mental activity is happening? What is the activity of the mind? What is the weather of the mind like? You know, and that is what journaling helps you do. It's kind of like offloading and you can read it back to yourself and you see, oh, wow, I'm someone who's constantly worried or I'm someone who's constantly feeling anxious or I'm someone who's constantly thinking these kind of thoughts all the time. Yep. And you also realize that thoughts create emotion. There's a loop that's happening. Thoughts are creating the emotion. The emotion is then feeding back to the thought and the thought is creating the emotion. So it's like this vicious cycle that we're stuck in. And this mindfulness also applies to emotional awareness too. It's not just mental awareness. Yeah, I mean, that's why for me, I mean, feeling uneasy is, is an emotional response. And, and and we will catch the way we feel before we will catch what we're thinking. Often. Because feelings are so much more alive and so much more um, visible and aware to us. When they're we, more noticeable. They're more noticeable. So when you're feeling irritated or anger or upset or worried or or fearful you will feel that it's it's very intense our feelings are much more visible and much more um much more visceral visceral in us they're very visceral versus to catch yourself and what you're thinking but i mean how many times have you you know had a bad day or you feel sad or upset or frustrated but you're not even really sure why why exactly usually the emotion is going to be way more obvious right the emotions are always way more obvious. So it's also not just bringing awareness to the thoughts. It's also bringing awareness to the emotions. And so you can use the emotions as a way to backtrack what you're thinking. So if you're most of us, as soon as we feel emotion, we go into a mental narrative and a story with it, right? Let's, yep. say, let's say you're waiting on a text from somebody and they're not texting you back and it's been two days, yep. right? And you're feeling worried 
or you're feeling upset, upset unloved. unloved, and then you're feeling all these things, and then you go into mental narrative about it. They must not like me. They don't care about me. They don't want my friend anymore. And then those that mental narrative or story is feeding the emotion. The emotion is feeding that thought process. It's kind of looping, right? And you're staying unconscious and trapped in that experience. Right. This is where you apply mindfulness. Exactly. You say, I'm feeling this way because this is what triggered it. These are all the thoughts that are coming up about this. This is the conclusions. This is, these are the assumptions. This is the black and white. This is the generalization I'm making about this experience. And I'm stuck and identified as it, right? And going back to the idea that if you can explain with so much certainty and so much conviction, this is what's happening to you, happening to you, that means you are aware of it and that you're not it. And this is where you come back and you apply awareness, right? It's mindfulness is being the observer and applying the power of choice and knowing that you have options and how to choose to respond to this. Exactly. Right? And when you start to just respond differently, you're, you're changing the habitual nature of the mind. And you're doing that by changing the behavior, changing your response. So you notice all of this and you're like, okay, they probably didn't text me because they're probably busy and I'll just hear from them when I hear from them. Right? Yeah. And then your job is to work on why this makes you so upset. What wound is this setting off in you? Does that make sense? Exactly. You're, you've become the observer. You've become the observer and you're like, well, who is upset here? Yeah. It's the ego persona is upset. Well, why is the ego persona upset? Because I feel like I'm unlovable. Where did I learn I was unlovable when I was five years old when this XYZ thing happened to me? It may not be that clear. It may not be. But you are going to feel some kind of distinct emotion in you. Even if you're not completely clear of the whys of, of all these emotions that are coming up or the why of the thought, you still can apply this power of choice. And as you do it more, it becomes it becomes more regular. Yes. Right? That that's the thing is because we're we're making a choice and then you continue to make that choice. Because once you usually once you make that choice once, the next time that awareness kicks in even a little quicker. Even a little quicker. And as you do it more, it, it becomes way easier. So then the next time an experience like that happens where it's like, oh, I, they didn't message me back, your mind and your awareness immediately kick in because you've actually started to reprogram it. And it doesn't immediately now go to, oh my God, they don't like me anymore. You go into that awareness first and quicker and then you apply you know whatever choice, choice you want. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the other really great tools to this at least for me, is the idea of affirmations. Because mm -hmm. affirmations, I mean, most people know what affirmations are. Mm -hmm. However, what I've noticed and I've kind of looked at is that many people do affirmations, say affirmations from their mind. Yes. It's like the they're, mind talking to the mind. Yeah. They're thinking that they want to experience something different. You know, they... It's this idea of like you're telling the mind to then change the way it's thinking. But the mind doesn't have that power. The mind doesn't change the mind. The mind is running on programming. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, tell a computer to do, to reprogram itself. No, there's somebody that has to tell the computer to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's often why for a lot of people, affirmations don't work very well. Because after some time, your mind is just going to go back into the same program. Yeah. So. Because to, to your mind, this is language it does not understand. Exactly. So it's automatically going to reject it. And oftentimes when we say an affirmation, we feel this tightness in our system. Yeah. It's like, you know, imagine trying to tell yourself something literally in another language. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're just going to be like, I don't know what this means. Let's go back to the language I know. Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen. Now, if you take that same idea of affirmations... When you apply mindfulness, you do it from an aware space. Now, whenever you say an affirmation, maybe this affirmation is, you know, I'm, I love myself. Something very simple. If you have the mind tell itself that 
I love myself. It's a very confusing concept suddenly. Now, if you come from the awareness and you say, I love myself, I appreciate myself, I am a smart person, I am a kind person, whatever affirmation you want to use, you're now applying that mindfulness, applying that choice to the mind. Mm -hmm. Now, as you do that more, you're actually reprogramming. Mm -hmm. You're actually applying these things. And now, after time, you get to practice what it feels like to be in that awareness space. Because if you choose to go to awareness, it's way easier. You're not only waiting for the trigger. An affirmation can be your trigger. Mm. You know, you say, you sit down and you say, okay, I'm going to do my affirmations now. You now get to choose pretty easily to say, I'm going to go to that awareness space. And now I'm going to say these affirmations. And like I am consciousness programming the mind exactly. because the mind is a tool that I consciousness get to use. Exactly. And you can use visuals. I mean, that's why I, I, for me, talk about this idea of you're like sitting, you know, above the, the mind and then you're looking at it because yeah. I'm a very visual person. You could also think, you know, think of yourself sitting at a computer. You're the awareness, which is the person at the computer yeah. and you're reprogramming the computer. Yeah. You know, using those visuals with affirmations. Yeah, and yeah. The person at the computer being pure awareness, consciousness, and the computer being the mind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's in, I, that totally changes how affirmations hit you. Because if you also see it this way, is if the mind is a tool and the mind needs to be used in service to the self, the self that is consciousness, the self that is pure awareness, then affirmations become a tool or like, let's just say the, affir using the, the affirmations become like a language that consciousness, pure awareness is inserting into the program or, or affirmations are like a language that is being written in this, in the software of the mind. Then. Exactly. then you, then you're applying, like you're, you're systematically using affirmations as a way to direct how the mind operates. How you use the tool. How you use the tool. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And same thing with like holding and holding on to holding to certain frequencies. So if you want to practice holding love or peace or neutrality or harmony or easing your system, that's also you using the vessel that is the body, which is where all the feelings happen. Like your body is a sensory um, receptor, yep. right? It's, it's receiving energy frequencies all the time in the form of emotions so you can, if you can hold certain certain emotions which have certain frequencies like love, peace, neutrality, you're also then programming the body to be able to hold higher frequencies in your system, versus just living in this like reactionary mode to the life, chaos. Yeah, which is how all of us operate. Right. Yeah. So I think you know, as you listen to this, as you come out of this, take that time journal write down some of these triggers you know i've i took time and i and i went into meditation and i journaled things out and i found that for me feeling uneasy is such a common trend a common feeling for me yeah and i think all of us have a very um familiar emotion that we tend to all just feel often like we kind of this this is our default emotion or way of feeling that we tend to sit in yeah so take that and you know dissect a little bit and, and, and recognize what that trigger could be for you, mm -hmm. you know, apply affirmations, use, use this concept of mindfulness actively, mm -hmm. choose to go there so that you're not just waiting for a reaction. You're not just waiting for a trigger. You're choosing to go there as well. Yeah. Train it, use it, practice it. Yeah. Because then it becomes easier to use. Yeah. And I will do another episode where we actually talk about the ego work and how we can use the ego work to bring mindfulness into the persona of the ego. Yeah. Um, but that's another episode. So two things is a journaling practice and a meditation practice. Okay. And I have um, a class on meditation. It's called the science of meditation. It's why, it's the why, what, how why we meditate so and there's a guided meditation which actually guides you through the mindfulness process of meditating so that will be in the show notes and the other class i want to suggest is i have a class on how to think which is are you being used by your thoughts or are you using your thoughts as in consciousness using thoughts 
to how the mind wants to be, how you then as the consciousness want the mind to run. So that class is called How to Think. That will also be in the show notes. Great. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Watch the mind movie. Do not hook into it. Just let the drama play out. Remain the witness. This is coming back into the seat of the self. Beautiful. If you want to go further into this and receive guidance and support through this process, this is what I do with my clients. This is what I work through. This is process of freeing the mind, being liberated, and coming home to yourself. Um, if you'd like to have a session with me, more information about that will be in the show notes. And I am, we are both sending you all of our love and stay open. Mm-hmm.